What's going on, guys? This is Jim Collins. I wanted to make a, um, actually wanted to make a uh, short video to talk about something that I've been getting a lot of messages about. Um, actually, not direct, me well, direct messages, but not about one um, single topic. And I just wanted to talk about something for the newer guys or the guys that's going through with it. I see a lot of, well, I don't see a lot of videos, but I do see some videos about the topic that I want to talk about, which the topic I want to talk about is stress, stress, and how stress exposes weaknesses. Um, and I want to talk about this because I actually, I actually see or get messages from um, a lot of messages from a lot of individuals about different things that they may be going through on a farm. You know, how do you cure this? What do you think this is? Sending me pictures, sending me videos. And listen, guys, you know, I ain't never been the one to try to act like no expert on none of this stuff. So a lot of times I forward them to people that I feel as though can give them the best answer for it, whether if it's they looking for a product, um, you know, some kind of medicine or vitamins or something like that. The part that I want to talk about is the stress aspect. Not so much the sicknesses and all that kind of stuff that uh, the stress is causing. <clears throat> I had a really good conversation with a guy. Been in his sport probably like, I think he said like six years or something like that. And we had a really, really good conversation. And uh, we started the conversation. I don't know him personally, but we started the conversation uh, because they got some really bad weather. And then, you know, after the bad weather, he started having issues with the birds, feeling sick and all that kind of stuff. And. You know, my response, you know, obviously he sent me pictures and he sent me videos uh, as well on what was going on, you know, what the stuff looked like. Some of the stuff I recognize, but, at the, you know, even with me recognizing it, I just forwarded him uh, to some individuals that uh, what I would say kind of specialize in that. You know, they sell supplies and stuff like that, and they're very knowledgeable with identifying sicknesses and stuff like that from videos and from pictures. <clears throat> so he was just uh, uh, one of many uh, who have done it. Um, so I wanted to make a video about not the cure or how to treat any of this, these sicknesses and stuff like that, that that is going on. And, and typically it goes on during the bad weather. Uh, either if, if you get a lot of rain, you hear guys asking questions. Hey, listen, you know, how do you cure this? Our birds are acting droopy. You know, we got a lot of rain. My birds got the greens, like all these different kinds of things, right? And the part, the only part that I want to talk about is not really the sicknesses, like I said. It's about the stress because, you know, what I learned like early on coming into uh, the sport, that stress, um, the same concept that, that stress applies to other things outside of chickens. It applies in chickens as well. Um, I don't care if it's machinery, um, jobs, you know, human beings, mechanics, whatever it is, stress exposes weaknesses. So my conversation with him after I forwarded him um, to individuals that, I, like I said, that I feel as though can, can uh, address it um, more is this is what our conversation was about. What's up, everybody? I see people checking in from Mexico. And guys, I'm actually live streaming this to uh, Instagram and Facebook all at the same time. And I'll post it up uh, on YouTube after we're done. 
and, and like I say, don't uh, be shy on chiming in, adding your, you know, your comments. But what's up, Hawaii? Hawaii's always checking in. What's up? Shut them down. Um, so, guys, the the thing I wanted to cover, and and I think is 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 overlooked, and it's probably never talked about, is stress, right? And the reason why I say stress is is because stress come in many different forms. And a lot of the people are experiencing stress through weather, you know, but stress can come in many forms, moving birds around too much, having them in uncomfortable, you know, places like too small of pens, overcrowding, you know, too much heat, too much cold, too much rain. I mean, stress comes in a whole bunch of, you know, uh, feed, not good, uh, not enough water. Um, it stress come in many, many different forms. But what I realize is, is stress exposes weaknesses. Now, I'm not saying that uh, your program is not solid because you had a few chickens get sick. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is in my opinion, when you have multiple birds on a yard that get sick, you can take, you can chalk it up as, oh, it just happens. That just happens in the chickens. Or you can chalk it up and say, hey, what am I, am I missing anything? You know, what am I missing? You know, why did these, like, if all the birds didn't get sick on a whole yard, I personally would say, okay, so why did these birds get sick? And it could be different reasons. Like, it could be they're young, so they don't have an immune system, and they're not as strong as older birds. You know, um, this is the first time they experience really har harsh cold, you know. So it could be a numerous different things that causes distress. But what I'm saying is, is every time you have a situation like that, it to me, it gives you an opportunity to reevaluate re your program and see if there's anything that you're lacking on that could have prevented it. I am not saying for one second that you can stop all sicknesses on your yard. I'm not saying that at all. I'm also not saying just because you got sick birds, you get some sick birds on the yard, your program is not tight and right. I'm not saying that as well. And I'm mentioning that because I don't want people to take what I'm saying out of context and, you know, just run with it and say, oh, what do you think? No birds ever get sick on the yard? No, I'm not saying that at all. So let me give you all guys an example about why it's important to uh, evaluate your program. And if you don't evaluate your program, stress can expose the weaknesses. Because if you're not always, I ain't going to say always, but if you're not reevaluating your program, a lot of times things can fall to the cracks, you know, uh, just like with, with wormers and medications and stuff like that. You know, if you're not rotating them, you know, uh, 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 different types of parasites build immunity to them. And maybe sometimes you just got to go with a higher dose or different medication or different vitamin or whatever the case is. Um, and I'm saying that because I'll give you guys a prime example. We all know, and we have seen it multiple times all over social media, when an area get a lot of rain, uh, when an area get a lot of rain, then you start having birds. You'll see all these posts. Oh, what is this? My birds got the greens. Who can I, what should I give them? Who can I get it from? Who sells it? All this kind of stuff, right? All those different types of things. And again, it goes back to the education pieces. It's always better to know something before you need it. Then to have to learn it after you need it. 
and it happened to me. I learned something, and it was too late by the time I learned it. The, the rooster was already dead. So if I'd have known it prior to, my rooster may have been alive. Well, at least he would have had a greater chance. But let's just take the greens, for example, right? Rain comes down, get a harsh rain, and guys say, oh, my birds got the greens because it rained for five days in a row. Not all the birds got, got the greens. Only some of the birds got the greens. So my question to you is, do you ever think about why only some of them got it and not all of them got it? You know what I mean? Now, greens are very common. Greens are very common. But let me tell you about some of the things that I have learned from uh, talking with different breeders, uh, going to different farms, um, and just through their experience. Not saying that they was experienced at the time that I was there, but going through their experience that a lot of times, this is just a few of the reasons why sometimes birds get the greens. We all know, and maybe some of the people who's doing it don't know, that a lot of times in many cases, we overfeed our birds. We overfeed our birds. I know I was definitely guilty of that. You know, I didn't know that I was overfeeding my birds. They looked good. They felt good. But when I took them to my training, he's like, this bird is fat. This bird is fat. This bird is fat. I'm like, man, how's all these birds fat, man? Like, I'm feeding it. I'm feeding them, you know, just two ounces, you know, because Puerto Rican Spanish birds are smaller. I'm feeding them two ounces. They should be good. But you got to take in consideration two ounces. Then you got to look at the size of cages that they were in. And, you know, two ounces was just a little bit too much for the size cages that they were in. Pins. Okay. So, um, but with a lot of heavy rain, you know, a lot of times when you overfeed these birds, there's leftover kernels of feed that you may not see because dirt may have been kicked over top of it or whatever the case is because we all know you feed the bird on the ground they get the scratching and stuff like that may not get up all the kernels right so if you're overfeeding your birds there is going to be some leftover feed on the ground and the leftover feed that may get exposed to that bad weather that's coming through is probably just feed from yesterday right but i don't know if people understand mold can grow within three hours mold can grow within three hours with the right humidity and the right temperature, mold can grow within three hours. So you can throw some feed out there, and if it pour down raining, by that evening time, that feed is already molded. And then just imagine the bird works up the next morning, and he eats it before you get out there to feed them because they're hungry, right? That is probably one of the number one things that causes the greens. Now, again, I'm not just trying to make this video about, the, about you know, different diseases, but I'm saying stress can expose the weaknesses in your program. Now, the stress of all of that rain, back to back to back to back to back, and now if you're feeding off the ground, you're still throwing feed on the ground even though the ground is saturated wet. Just something to keep in mind. That mold is going to stress those birds immediately. The ones that it gets sick is the ones with a lesser tolerance than the ones. Now, can birds eat a little mold? Uh, yes, they can. And people say, oh, no, birds can't eat no mold. That's a lie. They can't eat some mold. They have a tolerance for a certain level of mold. I'm not saying they can eat a lot of it, but one little dust of it is not going to give them the greens and not going to kill them. But enough of it will definitely kill them because that's exactly what happened to my bird. He got killed because the feed was molded, and I didn't realize it. Um, so what I'm saying is, is the stress of that weather uh, coupled with that mold gave some of those birds the greens, right? So again, stress, because 
if that rain didn't come down like it did so hard or abnormally hard than what you normal than you what you used to, you wouldn't have had that issue. But since you did, since the rain did come down like that, that caused a stressful situation. And the ones that got the greens was the one with the lower tolerance, right? So he understood that when I was explaining it to him. But that not only applied with just rain, that applied with snow. That can apply with a whole bunch of different things. Not only that, <clears throat> you put a bird in the keep. You can have a bird that's really healthy. Put him in the keep, he gets sick. Take him out the keep. Let him rest up. Everything looking good. Put him back in the keep, he gets sick. I noticed because it happened to me on more than one occasion. Until the third time, I was like, uh, we're not using him anymore. Because I'm not going to keep paying the trainer three times to condition a bird, and he ain't never going to finish out the keep. So by the third time, I was like, dude, done. Just, you know, get rid of him. I don't want him. Um, because, again, every time we put him under the stress of a keep, he got sick. So what I'm saying is, is don't let a stressful situation force you to reevaluate your program. I know uh, the community has an obsession with pointing, and it seems like that's all they want to learn about is pointing. But your program should be balanced, just like nature. Nature is balanced. So you want to balance your program to make sure you put an emphasis and attention on every part of your program, not just one part of your program at all. And if you don't put attention on all parts of your program, you'll realize that when the birds come under stress, they're going to get sick. They're going to get sick. Um, so you need to create an environment that minimizes the stress on these birds. And all of the old timers know this. You know, you want to minimize the stress on a bird when you're handling them, uh, when you put them in a key. You know, if you just got them on a yard, you want to minimize the stress, right? Now, let me give you another example about, you know, with stress make you reevaluate your program and why it's important to reevaluate your program. Tell me, guys, if y'all see this question that pops up during breeding season, right? At the beginning of breeding season. Uh, that's right, middle in Georgia, you're right, man. It's a lot of things that, that causes stress. So during breeding season, don't y'all guys always see these kind of posts? Oh, what can I do to get my hen to start laying? can I do to get my hen to start laying? Or, why is my hen laying small eggs? Or, why is my hen not laying many eggs? That, guys, is a sign that you have to reevaluate your program. The deal is this. Obviously, that hen is lacking something. That's why she's not laying. But you didn't realize she was lacking anything. It's breeding season. If breeding season wasn't there and you wasn't expecting her to start laying, you wouldn't even realize that hen was lacking something, right? So my question to you is, if your hen is lacking something on the farm, that's, that's why she's not laying, because she's lacking something. How many other birds on your farm is lacking something and you just don't even know? Because you didn't know that hen wasn't, was, was lacking something. You didn't know that. 
and two, you was expecting her to lay, and she wasn't laying. Right? So again, reevaluating with your program. The stress of you wanting her to lay forced you, well, hopefully it forced you to reevaluate your program, but in many cases, guys are not, the answers that they're getting is not fixing a problem. You know, they're not fixing what created the problem. They're like, oh, give her this, give her that, give her this, give her that, give her this, give her that, and that should get her to start laying. But that's not fixing a problem. That's my whole point. Nobody's telling them they need to reevaluate their program. And then the individual who's asking a question is not saying, what didn't I do correctly that caused this hen to not lay when she's supposed to be laying? Now, people say, oh, you can put lights in this. I know, I know old timers, successful active breeders that don't use lights. And they don't have no problem. I know one right now that, that got two, th you know, had 2,000 on the ground. So it ain't, it, it, like he say, I, I do it all natural. I don't use lights. How many you got on the ground? 2,000. So when I had the conversation with him, I'm like, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So back to like I was saying, you know, stress, uh, stress is something that we really need to talk about. And I think this is a great opportunity for each one teach one. There's a lot of stuff that breeders know that they can share because, again, I think the hen in a lane is a great example. I think, you know, the greens after hard rains, a great example. Um, harsh weather, how do your birds act in harsh weather? Great example. You know, harsh weather is a big stressor, whether it's snow, straight cold, extreme heat, or a lot of rain. Those four things are all stress indicators. So pay attention when you're going through those type of situations. Start paying attention to how your birds are acting. Breeding season come. Pay attention to your hens. How are they laying? You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, all of it goes back to your program. Your program. So your program should be set up to minimize the stress on your birds, your, 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 your cocks and your hens and your stags and your pullets and your chicks, everybody. But then again, like I say, just look at the questions that people ask and look at the answers that they're giving. They're giving, they're asking a question. My hen is not laying. What can I do to get her to lay? I ain't never heard nobody say, you know, why is my hen not laying? And now I just realize it now, right? Like, what is my, what is my yard lacking? But the biggest question is, what other birds are lacking on your farm that you don't know about? And I say that because, obviously, you didn't know your hen was lacking something until it was time for her to start laying. So what other bird, what, what, what else is lacking on your farm? If that hen is lacking something, you think somebody else on that farm ain't lacking? So maybe again, maybe that is an opportunity for you to reflect on your program and say, you know what? I can't feed all these hens the same. This hen right here might need a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, or a little less of this. I don't know. It's your farm. It's your chickens. It's your time. It's your money. This is something that I would do. This is a question that I would ask. I got one hen out of five that's not laying. What's going on with her? 
when I get her to lane, then I say, okay, I need to change her diet. I might can feed the other four exactly the way I've been feeding them. But this hen right here may need to be fed something else. I might need to add a little something to her feed because last breeding season, she had an issue with lane. She started laying late or she didn't lay at all or she didn't lay as many, whatever the case is. And I'm using a hen as an example because, again, I think it's, a, it's an example that so many of us have either seen heard or experienced so that's the reason why i'm using that example um also i'm using the example of the hen i mean of the of the, of the greens because again i think all of us have seen heard or experienced having roosters or having birds in general with the greens so um i just thought it might be a great opportunity to talk about stress and 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 how hopefully um you know, you're not waiting for a stressful situation to have you reevaluate your program. And if you do run into a situation where stress has exposed some of the weaknesses of your program, then you reevaluate that. Just don't fix that one issue. Just don't get the girl, uh, just don't get the hen. I said, girl, just don't get the hen to land and then go back to what you was doing after the breeding season is over. You can't do that. I mean, you can do that, but you shouldn't do that. You should truly reevaluate why that hen didn't lay. If you got birds with the greens, you should really evaluate why did those birds get the greens. And not all of the birds on the yards got the greens. Is the ones who got the greens in more puttier areas where they're on tie cords or are their pins holding more water or are they getting less sun so their pins stay more damp? You know what I mean? It could be a host of different reasons. But all I'm saying is, is just take that opportunity. Uh, I would, you know, like I said, just take that opportunity to reevaluate your program because stress exposes weaknesses and sometimes it exposes it at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Like stress of us putting that bird in a keep exposed that he just wasn't right. He just was not right. And uh, so, you know, I just think um, that's just something to think about. Um, and there's some great comments that's coming in, guys. I'm sorry I haven't read them, but guys, let me just scroll through some of these comments because there's some great comments coming in. And like I say, guys, chime in, you know, post your opinion. Tell me what you think. Um, like I say, this topic is not is hardly ever talked about. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to uh for us to learn some stuff. Each one teach one. Um Hey, Matthew, don't get in no trouble, brother. It'll be up on YouTube when I'm done. Uh, to be honest, I have saw hens that would no lay in her pen, but cut them out and they'll start laying. Middle Georgia, you're exactly right. So the stress of pinning hens, you know, they run a free range all year long, you know, and then when breeding season is about to come up, guys will pin them, you know, a month ahead of time to make sure they clean out. And then next thing you know, the bird, um, the hen is not lame. Well, you know what? She's in a stressful situation. And that's what Middleton, Georgia, out, 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 uh, uh, just said. That's exactly what he just said, which is a great point. Reuben is a bunch of stuff to cure the greens. Um, and I'm pretty sure that is a bunch of people can post in the comments, uh, and, and guys that you can get the stuff to, uh, to clear the greens out. And Ruben, make sure you get the answer to your question. Ruben, Ruben was asking, uh, so what cures the greens? Um, I'm assuming that he hasn't had uh, uh, experience with, uh, with the greens. 
as of yet. Um, right, Theo? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, you can hatch out without lights. And like I say, uh, the, the, the breeder, which a lot of y'all guys know him, I mean, he hatched out 2,000 uh, without lights. Um, so you can do it. It can definitely be done. And everybody's situation is different because you live in different parts of the country. Um, so everybody's situation is different. You know, it ain't no cookie-cutter strategy um, to this. Invader, you're right. NF1 is definitely something that to take care of the greens. Um, let me see here. Okay. All right. Ruben, I can't post uh, to the comments. But, yeah, so Justin just uh, uh, post in there, Ruben, or what you can use uh, for the greens. NF1 is something you can definitely use. I think that's an excellent uh, product. I'm pretty sure there's a, a ton of people uh, in the States that sell those products. Um, you can get that stuff from them. But it's more than one way to do it. Um, Joe Morris saying Epsom salt flushes it out. So, again, you know, like I said, it's many, many different ways. Right, Theo, we was having a conversation. Theo said, uh, uh, well, like a conversation, I posted in his comment box, and he had a hen that laid some eggs unexpectedly that he wasn't planning. I told him to get rid of them. He said, no, nah, he going to keep them. <laughs> ah, I hear that ain't nothing wrong with it because, like I say, guys, it's your time, it's your money, uh, and it's your chickens. Uh, Copper sulfate came in also as, as another way uh, to cure the greens. Like I said, it's multiple ways. There's multiple products out there. Um, but it's best to learn and actually get those products on hand before you get the greens. That's what I will say. Um, that's another thing that's extremely important, to have at least a basic um, medications on hand. If you got chickens on your yard, it's, a, it's some basic medications that you need to have in your cabinet if you have chickens um and if anybody want to know what they are uh reuben you can go on over to uh the journey to the pit youtube channel and look under uh watch rick hurst interview and rick hurst interview cover all of those things about pretty much every sickness that you you think about um rick hurst covers it so you can go over to the journey to the pit youtube channel and uh and watch the rick hurst interview um, and, and that'll give you all it. I ain't gonna say that to give you the only information, but that at least give you information and product names, um, for every type of pretty much, pretty much every type of disease that you will probably encounter, um, on a small, medium or large farm. Yep. So yeah, we got some comments coming in about different things, uh, to do. Uh, but Jesse, you're right. Uh, too small of a breeding pen will stress roosters and a hen. Like I say, guys. You know, stress exposes weaknesses. It is so many different things that can stress your bird out. But then when they do stress them out, you got to evaluate and say, okay, what stressed them out and what do I need to change? I see some guys, oh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Put stuff together and leave it like that forever without reevaluating it. And I say, hey, don't wait till they get sick. Just take a look at it. You know what I mean? Pay attention. Are you, are you feeding your birds too much? Are they cleaning up everything? You know, how long is it taking them to clean up everything? Because, you know, sometimes you know when it's going to rain, sometimes you don't. But if you create a routine 
and you have a habit and you run it through the routine and boom, 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 you go out there and feed, 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 feed. And next thing you know, you got some heavy rain coming in that you're really not paying attention to. Bang. Now, all of a sudden, we got one, two, three days of rain or some really hard rain. Like I say, it does not take mold long to grow. Mold can grow within three hours. So depending on it with the right temperature, the right relative humidity in the air, mold can grow really, really quick. So like I say, just uh, um, just definitely, um, yeah, just definitely uh, keep that in mind. And guys, like I said, I got a lot of comments coming in from from Facebook and from um, Instagram. But I wanted to uh, record this on both platforms because there's no way for me to get it on Instagram. And there's no way for me to get it off of Instagram. Um, yes, Robert Robert says it's different types of stress, good stress and, and, and bad stress. And that's exactly right. I mean, when you put a bird through a keep, that's stress. But as long as you're giving her the proper nutrition and a proper rest, you know, that's good stress because he's getting stronger. He's getting better. Um, but it is bad stress as well. So, uh, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of comments coming in, guys. Keep the comments coming in. Um, but what do y'all guys think? I mean, is that something, you know, what do you do? You, you know, do you ever think, be honest now, do you ever think about why some of your birds in your yard get the greens and the other ones don't? Is that something that crossed your mind or it doesn't even cross your mind why some get the greens and some don't? Be honest. Um, and then if your birds do get the greens, do you make adjustments or do you just treat the greens and keep it moving? Be honest. Because some of y'all just treat the greens and keep it moving. Just like some of y'all just do what y'all need to do to get the hen laying. And, and after the hen start laying and hatch. Y'all go back to what y'all was doing. Like, y'all didn't make no adjustments. I know that's what some of y'all guys do. I'm just saying, if y'all are doing that, it may be something you need to look at. And a hen not laying may be painting a bigger picture than what you're really paying attention to. Because a hen not laying, you know, obviously she's lacking something. But it should make you think, well, you know, is any of my other birds on the yard lacking the same thing? You know, and just because they're they not a hen, you might not be paying attention to. So when hens are not laying, you really need to be looking at your feed. You know, you need to be looking at the stress level. You know, did you change her environment? Is she not laying because of stress? Is she not laying because she's wormy? Is she not laying because she's not healthy? You know, what are the cases? Because a bird can have like a half-decent body and still be a little sick, not like healthy enough, you know what I mean, to be breeding. And I think guys think that as long as he's walking around and crowing, that he's good enough to be bred. You know what I mean? And and in many cases, it's not. So, yes, Callie, you're exactly right. The sun plays a huge, huge role. The sun plays a huge role. What's up, brothers? Romario, what's going on? Um, what, what, uh, Ruby, you said normally the best-looking birds are the ones that get the greens on, on on my yard. Well, you know what? What that could possibly be, just take a look and look at, you know, the environment that they're in. Maybe they're getting the greens because they eat moldy food. Maybe you feed them a little too much. Maybe they got a little leftover food that's a little molded that you're not catching. You know, maybe that's what it is. Yep, maybe that's what it is. So it's, it's multiple different things. 
Yeah, Darcy said uh, feathers can call feather. Yep, exactly. I mean, it's so many different things. What's up, Hawaii? It's so many different things. But like I say, that stress exposes weaknesses in your program. So when you those weaknesses become exposed, just don't look at the situation. Reevaluate your program. If your hands are not laying when they're supposed to, you need to reevaluate the program. Not just get on social media and figure out what you need to do to get her to land. The problem is longer. The problem has already been existing. You just seeing the symptoms of it. And if it wasn't breeding season, you would not even know that. So what I would be doing, if I got a hen that's not laying, again, I reevaluate my program. Do I need to change her feed? Or I'm not saying you need to change your feed for all your birds. I'm not saying you need to change your feed for all your hens. But maybe you can't feed that hen like you feed in the rest of your hens. Because obviously she had a problem and your other hens didn't. Just some thought. What's up, Mexico? Hawaii. Hawaii is always checking in. Uh, Justin said, I've been I've been there just fixing the issue and keep. Let me put uh, Justin's uh, comment on the screen. Um, and, uh, Justin said, I've been there just fixing the issue and keep doing what I've always done. Now I'm looking into fixing the root cause. It's easier to fix it on a surface. That's exactly right, Justin. And Justin, you know, that's the comment he made. And again, like I say, being honest, he's like, Hey, I used to do that. I used to just fix the issue and keep it moving. I'm telling y'all guys for long term, don't just fix the issue. The issue is just exposing a bigger problem. You know what I mean? What's up, Carolina? Um, the issue is just a a, a bigger problem. Um, and, and, and that's what y'all guys need to always understand. And it's the same thing, not just in chickens, but it applies to everything. You know, just say you in racing, car racing or something like that, and your rear end break, and then your rear end break again. You might need to start looking at something else because if that same part keep breaking, it's a bigger issue. Either the thing got too much power or the rear end is too weak or, you know, it's not being put together right. Again, that same thing applies to chickens. And again, it goes back, guys, to the program. Too many guys put emphasis on one or two parts of their program and forget about the rest. Let me tell you the two biggest parts so many guys put emphasis on and forget about the in-betweens. They focus on two things, the brood pen and pointing. Everything in between is just feed and water. That's it. Think about that, guys. If you look at two of the biggest, most popular topics that's talked about on all social media platforms, the topics that most people brag about, the topics that go back to the answer for everything, it's you need to learn how to point and brood pen. It is so much that goes on from that brood pen to the time they need to be pointed that guys are not putting the needed attention into. Yes, pointing is definitely overrated. Um, but like I say, guys, guys are not uh, guys are not putting the emphasis on the in-between phase of the brood pen and pointing. Brood pen. Every time something don't work. You need to get a better brood pin. Every time somebody don't win, I, I, I didn't win because he wasn't on point. That's the answer to everything. So, um,
Okay, Juan said on Instagram, he said, question, my bag of feed got a little moldy from the bottom, decided to take away the mold and keep the good feed. Should I have still fed that or should I have gotten rid I would have said gotten rid of the whole bag. I would say have gotten rid of the whole bag because just because you don't see the mold don't mean the mold is present. Don't mean the mold is not present. That's what I meant to say. Just because you doesn't you don't see the mold on the rest of the feed doesn't mean the mold is not present. And I said it because the feed that I was feeding to my rooster when he died, I could not really see that mold until I really started digging through it and digging through it and really putting it up. And I actually started taking pictures of it. And then I kind of seen it. So the other feed you may you may think doesn't have mold in it, but again, mold is spores that can't be seen with the naked eye. So in that bag, that bag is filled with mold spores. It's just the most heavily contaminated aspect of it has the mold on it. But the whole bag is full of mold spores. So you can't see mold spores with your eyes. So the surface of that feed all had mold on it, even the one that didn't have a little fur. So, um, but we get some great comments coming in. Um, and like I say, guys, it's just something that I, I wanted to talk about. Um, I just something that I wanted to talk about. Um, and we having some great comments coming in from Instagram and from Facebook. And keep the comments coming. Guys, you know, talk about different solutions about the stress because people are reading your comments. Uh, talk about different solutions with the stress. Guys, post in the comments some of the stressful situations that you have had on your farm that you had to correct. Because, again, this gives us an opportunity for each one teach one. And uh, guys can learn from the stuff that's in the comment section. Because we can all learn and teach each other. What's up, Alex? From the big island of Hawaii. We got Mexico in the house. And guys from all over the states. We know that. Kentucky. The Carolinas, North and South, Ohio, Alabama. Y'all guys are all over. So, yeah, guys, uh, that's what I wanted to talk about. I guess um, we don't need to drag this out too much longer. Uh, just wanted to make that short video to understand and put some emphasis on evaluate your program because when stress exposes the weaknesses of your program, don't just fix the situation. Understand that there's a bigger problem. And you should definitely evaluate your program to see where your weaknesses is. Um, Robert said, I move my minds every day. Just keep him from getting bored and stressed out, uh, Alabama. All right. Yeah, some, I, I mean, everybody can't move, which you all know, everybody can't uh move move their birds all the time but the ones that can i definitely recommend it if you can uh, but if you can't you understand that too a vast majority of people can't really move their birds too often uh but when you can that's why it's important to make sure that their surroundings is as clean as possible and don't have a lot of debris and stuff like that in it uh you know another thing too um, and again, this might be just a psychological thing. It might have an impact. It may not have an impact. It's something that I have done. I didn't see no harm, no foul that came from it, but I have thrown hens that I plan on breeding with a certain rooster. I had put those hens in there just to see how they act because the worst thing, I ain't gonna say the worst thing. 
but but something that can happen is you pick out this breed and say, you know, I'm going to breed that hen to that rooster right there. That's a really good rooster. He's a very good producer, this, this, and that, and I'm going to breed him to that hen. You might put that hen in there with that rooster, and they might just not click. You know, that rooster might stress that hen out so bad, that might be another reason she not laying. You know what I mean? Because she getting stressed out in there with that rooster. So what I have always done, when I got an idea of what hen that I want to put with one rooster, I put them in it together just to see how they act. You know what I mean? Just to see how they act. Leave them in there a couple days. Um, so when breeding season come around and that's the hen you want to put with that rooster, then you can do it and you got an idea of how they act. But, you know, again, hundreds of thousands of guys wait to the last minute and just throw them on in there. They ain't never seen each other. Just throw them on in there and, uh, you know, and it works out. But like I say, it's going to come that time when you're really looking forward to that breeding and you throw them in there and it don't work out. Yeah, he might not be beating her, but he might have her under so much stress that she may stop laying because it has happened to me. You know, it has happened to me. Um, and what I had to do is 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 just only put first, just two things I had to do because I had my pins, my hens in cages as well. Um, I had to stop taking a hen and throwing her in there with the rooster. What I end up doing is taking a rooster and throwing it in with the hen. But once he mount her, I would take her out because I did it two ways. I took the hen out of her environment and put her in a rooster's environment. And that at this particular hen and this particular rooster, that didn't really work out too tough. So the next time I did it is I left a hen in her cage and I took the rooster and I threw the rooster inside the cage uh, with the hen. Um, and again, I left the roost, the hen in there with the rooster and that wasn't, that wasn't, that's just stressed out too much. But when I put the rooster in her pen, she was a lot more comfortable. So that's just, again, something to think about. You may not have to do it, but Hey, it's just something to try. Um, if you ever run into that situation, just think about that. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it guys. Uh, it ain't no more comments coming in. So we're going to chime out. I just wanted to drop that on y'all guys today. Uh, hopefully it made some sense. I see a lot of comments came in, which is great. Guys, take the time to read through the comments. It might be something that you can learn. And uh, for the ones that's not able to watch it, just know that I'm going to post this up to uh, YouTube on the Journey to the Pit uh, channel. Um, Invader, it, no, I, uh, Invader, Invader said off of Instagram, uh, do I think, uh, damage to a, uh, damage to the leg of your hen can affect the offspring? I don't really know. I don't think so, unless it's something genetic. You know, unless it's something genetic. Okay, so Dirt Road said, Dirt Road Game Farm as asked, how long before you put your hen back in with the rooster? Um, after he top, yeah, after the rooster tops him, I take the rooster out. So I throw the rooster in there. Once he tops the hen, I just take him out of there. And that's it. Because ain't nothing else for him to do either. You know, he'll need to top her three, four, five times. You know, he'll need to do all that. Drop him in there, let him top her, take him out, and, and put him back. And back in his own pen. And if guys are saying, oh, no, he didn't stay in there all day, that's not true. And let me explain to you why. Artificial insemination is extremely effective. Like, artificial insemination has a highest 
the highest percentage of fertility, artificial insemination. So you not artificial inseminating your hen three, four times a day. You know what I mean? You're not artificially inseminating your hen three or four times a day. So, uh, you know, she don't need to be in it all day. He don't need to top your rooster. I mean, he don't need to top that hen three or four times in that day. They don't. Because, again, I know for a pure 100% fact, many Puerto Ricans that, that do artificial insemination. I know many guys who do it with dogs as well. I did it with dogs. Extremely effective. So you artificially inseminate them with dogs is every three days. You know, um, so, you know, I don't think you don't you don't need to leave them in there, but you can if they all in there, they all working out. You got the facilities, you got the space. There's no ruckus. Nobody's getting stressed out. Do what works for you. Everybody's situation is different. Everybody's situation is different. Yep. Yep. Um, appreciate that, brother. Theo like that camo, that journey to the pit camo. Guys, I got some new products, man. Post it up to the website, jttp362.com. Dirt Row, I don't understand what you asked me. You said, how many? Oh, 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 oh. I do it like every two days. I do it like every two days. Because like I say, you know, I don't, you know, again, and I think, and I'm not 100% correct on this, but, uh, uh, Dr. Fabio interview, he talked about it. Um, but, yeah, every two days. Yep, I put them in there. Um, that might be not necessary. That might be good enough, you know. But every two days, and it depends. It's been times I only put them in there every three days. And I have had pretty good success with it. Because I think based on the science, I think you can, you, they can, they can you, you know, you can breed them every three days and you'll be good to go. Based on the science aspect of it. Right. Um, what's up, Abel? What's up, brother? We got Abel checking in on, on, on Facebook. Yeah, guys, so that's what it is, man. I think we had some uh, – the great thing is we had a lot of interaction, and which I think is great. A lot of guys are sharing a lot of their own personal experiences and stuff that they did. Um, and stuff that they did uh, uh, to deal with stress on their farm, different types of situations. And guys, it goes with the same thing with chicks. You got to create an environment to minimize their stress. You already know, you know, uh, uh, chicks, you know, feather picking, you know, eating the rear ends out of other chicks, you know, piling up on top of each other and smothering each other because it's too cold, you know. Uh, uh, chicks getting pasty butt because it's too hot in the brooder. I mean, it's a whole, all that stuff is stress. All that stuff is stress. Getting pasty butt, exposed. That's a weakness in your program. It's a little too hot in there. What's the weakness of your program? You keeping your brooder too hot. You know what I mean? If you got chicks piling up in a corner, you know, and suffocating the some of the chicks, that's a weakness in your program. You know, you need to get your heat more evenly throughout that, that brooder. You know what I mean? Again, what's the weakness? Don't have enough even heat. They're piling up in a corner. So, again, when you see these type of things, don't overlook them. Don't overlook them. And don't, don't just fix the problem and then just go right back to the same old thing. If you got if you got chicks piling up in a corner in your brooders and it's killing some of the chicks, okay, 
you go in there, you take some out. Where's less cheeks and stuff like that? That that could be a fix. That could be a fix. But maybe you need to change the bulb. Maybe you need more than one bulb. Maybe you need to spread the bulbs out. You know, all I'm saying is, is reevaluate your program and see where's my weakness in this program that caused this problem. Because a lot of times we're just focused on fixing the problem. But that's just a symptom that we're seeing. The problem is actually what created it. The problem is actually what created it. Middle Georgia, that's fine. If you got a single made them, that's great. In Puerto Rico, every bird is single made it. So that's nothing, that's normal. You know, Abel, I don't know how many. This is another thing, too, guys, as far as with stress. And this is something that a good friend of mine in Kentucky talked about. Um, you guys, you got to understand, every rooster cannot top an endless amount of hens. You have to find out how many hens that rooster can top and produce fertile eggs. Because you can throw 10 hens in there if you want. That don't really mean he going to maximize your productivity. Because he gets stressed out as well. So something that you need to be paying attention to is how many eggs can this rooster fertilize with how many hens? Can this rooster handle two hens, four hens, six hens, ten hens? All roosters are not the same. Every rooster cannot top six hens. I mean, he can top them, but I'm saying as far as fertility. Every rooster is not the same. Um, and, and that's something that as, as with us in Puerto Rico, we don't really deal with too tough because we don't uh, – there's no uh, herd breeding in Puerto Rico. Everything is single mated. But even with single mate, we taking favorite roosters out and putting them in one pen, another pen, another pen, another pen. And, you know, then you definitely get – then you definitely see exactly how many hens that that rooster can top and produce fertility because, like I say, he can top them all day long, but that don't mean he's going to be fertilizing all, all those eggs. Yep. That's right. Dwight, Dwight Clark said on Facebook it should be a, a year-round program. You're exactly right, Dwight. That's what I keep going back to. You know, that's what I keep going back to. Guys only focus on – now I'm going to say only – they put the maximum amount of energy in two parts of their program, the brood pen and pointing. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the prior generation, that was the answer for everything. The prior generation, the answer for everything. If you're doing well, it's because you had a good brood pen and, and you, you was good on pointing. If you're doing bad, it's because your brood pen was no good or your pointing was no good or both of them was no good. You see what I'm saying? So that's actually what uh, has been preached to, to this generation. So what I'm saying is, and again, I'm not a master at nothing. I'm just trying to give you some stuff to think about. I'm not telling you to listen to me. I'm just saying think about this stuff. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in between that brood pen and that pointing. There's a huge area of opportunity to ruin them. Or to maximize their potential. And it's just astonishing to me how 
that is the least important part with a lot of these guys out here. And you can tell just by the questions that they ask that they're not worried about that because in their mind, the only thing that needs to be done is throw the feed, give them some water, and worm them. But you still need to be picking them up. You need to be feeling them, how they acting. You know, there's a lot more aspects to it than just throwing feed and water. You know what I mean? And sometimes guys throw feed and water for a year before they realize that what they've been throwing feed to and watering, some of that stuff ain't no good. But again, they're not looking at the emphasis on the middle of the program from the brood pen to the point. Only thing they focus on, going to buy trios, getting better blood, creating an awesome brood pen. Then the other part is get my pointing down. Well, how about the whole life in between? Who ain't nobody talking about that? And I know why. Because a lot of guys have just been preaching. The answer to everything is brood pen pointing. The answer to every sickness is cold. That, and I know this because that's what was being told to me. That's what was being told to me. Every time a bird had a little mucus coming from his nose, cold. I don't run a hospital. Cold. I don't run a hospital. Call it. Call it. Call it. Hey, it's your birds. It's your money. It's your time. If you want to call everything just because they got a snotty nose, that's your business. I don't even have an opinion about it. I personally. Is not, I am not going to call everything as soon as I just get one little snotty nose. I'm not going to call it. But many guys, and they're not young guys, I don't run a hospital. Now, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that heard that. A lot of guys, I don't run a hospital around here. You know what I mean? Any kind of sickness, anything, snotty nose, any, call, call, call. I'm not saying that's good or bad or whatever. I don't have an opinion about it. Do what works for you. Uh, but I just know that I don't call everything. Um, and I believe that, you know, uh, even if you do get something sick, just for learning purposes, you should try to see if you can fix it just so you can learn something. Because everybody's about call until it comes to their favorite cock or their favorite hen. Then all of a sudden they want to look for some type of medicine or some type of cure or they want to get on their hands and knees and pray that it don't pass away. So what I'm saying is, is don't fall into that. Don't fall into that mindset. There's a lot to be learned, even if you don't plan on keeping it to see what you can do. I'm not saying put your whole yard at jeopardy. But what I am saying is the first answer out of your mouth should never be. I ain't going to say should never be. The first answer out of my mouth is not going to be call it. Yep. Wild Man Farms, you're exactly right, man. You just can't call everything. And imagine, you, what? just imagine this. What could you ever learn about? First of all, anybody with chickens is going to have sick chickens on their yard. Anybody with chickens is going to have sick chickens on their yard. And nobody can tell me that a sick a chicken who has gotten sick one time has turned out to be straight trash. I don't believe that not one single bit. And why I'm talking from personal experience. I have had birds that have gotten sick and turn out to be awesome birds. Now, no, maybe the, the guy who's telling you that, maybe he didn't have that experience. Uh, but me, 
I have had it, and I personally know many people who have had it. Many people who have had it. And I personally know people who is big on a call, 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 and had their favorite broodcock get sick, and all of a sudden they didn't call them. They just threw that concept straight out the window. So what I'm saying is do what works for you and 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 you put your threshold on what you think should determine on what you call. Some stuff you just going to have to call. We all know that. That is not even a conversation at all. What I'm talking about is you shouldn't go from one extreme to the other extreme. You shouldn't be running a hospital. And you shouldn't be calling everything for a snotty nose. That's that's what I'm saying. Don't go from don't you don't have to play the extremes. You can play the middle game. You can determine on what you can give a little antibiotics, you know, something like that, some vitamins, some probiotics, because a lot of times you, that gut health ain't right. Birds tend to get sick, and it ain't because of a whole bunch of other stuff. It's because that gut health is not right. Do you call something just because his gut health is not right? I personally wouldn't want to do that. I personally wouldn't want to do that. So, but some birds get sick because their gut health is not right. Get the gut health. That's a quick fix. That's a quick fix. I mean, if you got if a bird has a bad gut, you think when he gets two years old, he's gonna be trash because when he was eight months old, he had a bad gut? Come on, man. Some of this stuff is just bananas. But I see, you know, we, I'm just saying we just should be very careful because the present generation has a huge opportunity to create and influence the next generation. And I think we should be very careful on the advice that we give and try to promote them or encourage them to be very open-minded and understand that what worked for me, even though I've been doing it for 65 years, may not work for you. Or what's working for me up in Oklahoma may not work for me it may not work for you in Alabama. Even though I've been doing it for 50 years in Oklahoma, doesn't mean it's going to work for you in Alabama. If y'all guys don't believe that, that's a real case scenario. Watch the interviews. We have one of our special guests that talks about that. So the stuff that I'm telling y'all guys is just not stuff I'm reading off of Google. I'm telling you from real life experience. That's all I'm saying. Abel, so you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. So Abel said that you know he, he had a, he had a stag that that uh, was doing bad. You know that got sick. He took care of him, got him back on his feet, and he turned out to be a good bird. You know what I mean? Is again, guys, it's just something to think about. Just something to think about. But guys, I think that's about it. I think we had a great conversation. We've been on here for about an hour. Uh, please keep the comments coming. I'm going to go in the comment section, try to reply to some stuff. Um, I wanted to keep this under an hour so I can upload it. Um, but, yeah. So that's that's pretty much it, man. Hope y'all guys have a good evening. Um, it was a pleasure hanging out with y'all, as always, and a great opportunity for us to each one teach one. Y'all guys have a great evening. Good night.